Welcome back on Great, the wine podcast. My name is Tobias Salval. And I'm Phil Cook. How are you, my friend? All good, thank you. Uh, finally, the weather here in the, in the north of Europe, at least, is starting to improve a little bit. We're starting to see longer days, uh, sunshine, uh, few flowers already on the plants, a really poetic and romantic <laughs> scenery. <laughs> Picture the fact that uh, uh, the barbecue season is starting and uh, uh, apart of being very excited for that uh, i think the topic and uh, the great variety of today is actually perfect for it because we're going to talk about carmenere yes yes fantastic uh, uh, red gray variety uh, that uh, uh, surely is very popular on barbecues around here Oh, and yes. in South America, I guess. But uh, we're going to talk about that grape in depth, mentioning a bit of history, plants and grapes, a couple of uh, um, eras of production, food pairings, uh, fun facts, and wine recommendations. So the usual format, basically. Uh, if you're ready, I'll start to mention a couple of, of history facts. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is a, a great uh, barbecue grape, and I've got some great food pairings. So yeah, go ahead with the history. and. Uh, it's a very fascinating grape, so what have you got for Yes, yes, it's basically um, from the family of the Vitis Biturica, uh, which is this Latin name for this uh, old kind of sap of families, typical from the area of uh, uh, Bordeaux, Medoc. Cap uh, Sauv, Cabernet Franc as well came from that. But um, Carmenere has been brought by the Romans, actually, in France, uh, and they shipped it from the Durazzo port uh, in uh, uh, Columella, which is the Roman name from uh, modern days Albania. So uh, somewhat uh, a kind of a Balkanic uh, or Eastern European uh, sort of uh, origin for this grape. Uh, however, at the time, even though they were using it and planting it in Bordeaux, the reputation of this grape variety uh, actually grew uh, between the you know the Roman drinkers uh, from wines produced with Carmenere uh, in the in Iberian Peninsula in modern day Spain, uh, probably due to the climate. But we will mention that maybe later on. Uh, the original name actually of this grape, as the Romans they were calling it, as I mentioned earlier, was Biturica. Uh, and also uh, this kind of uh, name found and uh, um, support from historian theories uh, by the fact that uh, there is a wine produced uh, also in Tuscany uh, by the Romans called Predicato di Biturica, uh, which is made with uh, uh, a blend that includes Carmenere as well. You still there, Phil? Yep, yep. Wow, you were very silent. You were following through, eh? Wow. I have a cold, so I'm trying to keep myself in Carmener then takes uh, the name, its name from uh, uh, Carmen, which can be translated into uh, modern days crimson, due to the crimson color that, that the leaves takes just before, uh, you know, the, the leaf fall in, in the autumn season. Uh, to keep on going on history of it, uh, more than the origins, uh, um, it, this grape, Carmenere, was used mostly uh, in, in the Bordeaux blends, in the area of Medoc, in the area of Graves, and in uh, uh, Pessac Leonia. However, uh, in the 19th century, with the, with the phylloxera outbreak that uh, uh, Europe suffered of, um, Carmenere com almost completely disappeared from France. Uh, 
very few uh, plants were left in uh, in the Bordeaux region, and uh, um, he found home uh, outside Europe. Then you will uh, talk a bit more about it, but. Um, Mostly, let's say that uh, uh, the Chilean Andes and South America it's, uh, is the new home of this, uh, this sort of grey variety that has been planted in there in 1850. Even though it took almost, uh, almost 150 years, uh, 144 years to realize to the local growers of Chile that Carmanere was actually a great variety of its own because everybody thought that uh, um, this uh, uh, grey variety was uh, Merlot and they were calling it uh, Merlot Pumal or Peumal after the Puma Valley in, uh, in Chile. Then in 1994, uh, studies revealed that actually this wasn't Merlot but was uh, uh, the original Carmenere from uh, uh, Bordeaux. But I think you got more about this sort of uh, uh, story from Chile. Yeah, um, it's a... Uh quite a cool uh, story uh, just uh, how technology has advanced to identify it and I think it was 1994 wasn't it um, yeah. but it was a different grape um, but now yeah uh, Chile uh, is, is very much its modern home um, although it was originally a Bordeaux vital mainly used in, in blending but nowadays as I say it is very much the signature red grape uh, of Chile um, basically it arrived in the 19th century as you say and it really thrived in the warm climates and the disease-free vineyards, obviously it was wiped out in Bordeaux practically, um, but these diseases didn't exist in uh, Chile. Um, so it really thrived there with the warm climate. It's quite a difficult grape to grow, um, but now it over accounts for over 11,000 hectares of vines in Chile, which is around three quarters of worldwide production. Um, wow. It's worth mentioning, um, like I say, it was a, Bordeaux, a blending grape in Bordeaux, but in Chile um, is very much a single varietal in the bottle or blended with very small amounts of Cabernet or Merlot. So quite a different sort of makeup there for the grape. Um, just shows how climate can play such an important part. Um, most of the production in Chile uh, comes out of the Central Valley, starting in the Maipo Valley in the sort of most northerly territory, uh, where it tends to be fairly light and floral with a touch of minerality to it. Uh, Maipo Valley is almost always almost surrounded by uh, mountains with very little coastal influence. When you think of slim Chile is, um, a lot of coastal influences um, can be apparent in the wines. Uh, most of the premium sites lie at the foothills of the Andes, uh, where they're cooled by the sort of mountain air a little bit, which just adds structure and elegance and brings down those warm temperatures, particularly at night and locks in the, the flavours there. Um, then moves slightly south uh, to the Cachapo Valley, just outside Santiago. Uh, where some of the most age-worthy caramels are found. It's fairly hot here, and again, there's very little ocean influence, so it's ideal, again, for uh, bringing up that sugar content in the grapes. The Pimo region uh, can be found here, which is one of the oldest wine-producing areas in the country, renowned for producing some of the, the best and priciest caramel, quite the sort of full-bodied, really dark, fruit-laden style. Continuing on southwards, uh, we come to the Colchagua Valley, which is the area that produces most of the Carmenere grape we see in today's uh, wine shells. Uh, the climate is can be quite varied here with the central part of the valley, quite warm with a little bit of ocean influence here to contend with. Um, wines tend to be quite full-bodied, rich, that sort of raspberry sauce, uh, aroma and flavour to it, and that green peppercorn herbal tone is very apparent, which is quite a, a bit of a signature of the grape, uh, which we'll come to. 
Now, interestingly, uh, outside of Chile, China is the second largest producer of carmenere, although it's seldom seen in the West. So I'm not going to delve into it that much um, because I'm not really familiar with it and there's not a lot available. Um, but I will also just add, you can find very good value Argentine carmenere these days in most supermarkets and, and some wine shops. And Italy from the Fruli area is also known to produce uh, some decent carmenere too. And yep. uh, yeah, that is the areas of production in modern day wine countries. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I didn't know actually uh, that's terrible being Italian that uh, um, Italy was on the on the map for Carmener. Uh, I'm quite glad actually to know. I knew that few winemakers were producing it, yeah. but not as much, you know, to be to be into a, a, a somewhat international recognition. You know. Yeah, yeah. So go Italy. Happy for that. <laughs> uh, taking that now, if we suck at football, at least we're getting some decent wines out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least we got the Spanish getting beat by Scotland, so you know, quite as bad as that, yeah. Not, not there yet, yeah, true. <laughs> um, talking a bit about the plant and the and the grape the characteristics, um, well, we know it's a red grape variety. It's actually quite dark in color, the fruits itself. And he he grows with quite of uh, of big shaped berries, uh, so lots of juice, lots of uh, lots of uh, water, but also lots of flavors in it. Um, it's it's a plant that is prone to colure and mildew, uh, as most of the of the vines. But this one in particular really suffers from uh, uh, you know water and uh, wet conditions in general. Yeah. So it's quite difficult to, to grow. It's very fragile, uh, and it tends to prefer, uh, you know, sort of warmer and dry, uh, dry weather, mostly during the, the growing season. Um, low yields, so you need to have a lot of it to to actually make a bottle of wine because it doesn't grow uh, in big bunches in huge quantities. It's very slow to grow. Uh, if it pick too early, you know, it can be a bit green uh, in flavors, a bit too acidic. Um, so it needs a bit of time to, green, to grow, sorry. And uh, it's, um, it's quite high in sugar, so then it leads to then uh, quite full-bodied and, uh, and uh, rich wines. Uh, full-bodied and rich wines that uh, uh, pairs well with... Barbecue. Exactly, <laughs> but I, I, I guess you go also uh, other recipes and other ideas for that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, um, the barbecue one—it's uh, quite obvious what goes in a barbecue. Um, but um, and also the the Malbec issue as well. We've done a couple of uh, episodes ago, um, so I've tried to sort of steer away from that a little bit um, and keep it seasonal. Um, but just before we, we go to the food pairing, just to give you. A, an insight of the flavour profile of, of the wine, just so uh, you can sort of start to think in your own minds what might come up here and why the food pairs so well. Um, like I said, the, the, it's quite a deep coloured wine and that, that is uh, the same in the, in the glass as, as the berry. Uh, well structured, it's quite smooth with well-rounded tannins. Uh, it can be ripe red fruit or black coloured fruits as well, depending on the ripeness of the grape and the region it's produced in. And with the weather, like you said, it's a very weather-dependent grape. It likes a long, sunny season to really, really ripen slowly. Um, the cooler climate, coastal sites produce sort of earthier, more elegant wines, quite ripe, 
raspberry flavors to say there with the green pepper uh, spice you expect whereas the warmer climates like maipo they offer more concentrated dark fruit flavors but a deep unctuous wine that i really like with that signature uh, green red pepper snap and a little bit of opulent chocolateness and and smoke as well uh, it can be medium pine acidity um, which is important when it comes to the food pairings oak is a common player uh, in carmenere as well um, to expect that those vanilla sweet notes are very much apparent on the glass and usually towards the end of the, the taste in the palate as well, you get that slight smokiness to, to some of them and uh, the spice from the wood there. And the complexity and a little bit extra body, so that's where you get a really full body wine is one way anyways to, to age it in oak, uh, which just adds to the wine. Um, but you, it's very much apparent on the nose, say, along those uh, green pepper spicy flavours. So yeah, to the food. Um, with those in mind, um, the, the, the good acidity, the herbal notes, those crunchy green peppers, the fruits and the spice, uh, it's a quite a pocket-friendly food wine, and it's, it's great for a convivial setting as well, like a barbecue would. But yeah, your usual barbecue, burgers, steaks, sausages, etc., etc. Story vegetarians, uh, I'm sure there are some meat-free alternatives out there. Um, but I'm going to start with Scotch lamb in a few different forms. We're not quite a prime lamb season yet, but we're coming there to, to sort of May when it comes into its best, its most tender. So I'm going for a rack of lamb here with a, a nice herb crust. It is perfect for Caminera. Uh, it really sives through the outer fat in there, but still respects the, the sort of leaner, tender meat uh, in the centre of the, the rack there. And the herb elements of both the wine and the food, it just amplifies each other and really works well with a little bit of sweetness to the meat too. Food just mingles along there on your palate uh, with the meat. If you're not feeling that chefy to go for a chef's uh, uh, herb crust even, sorry, a simple salsa verde does a job, just over the top of your lamb. Uh, and slightly more accessible, a leg of lamb for a crowd on a Sunday lunch, for example, with a salsa verde, works perfectly well. Serve it in, it in the slow cooker um, and uh, tender lovely meat with the wine um it likes leafy greens as well like kale swiss chard savoy cabbage uh perfect accompaniments to the lamb more of a midweek supper i often knock up a batch of lamb koftas or meatballs you use them in a curry um or just with a pita bread and sort of a turkish style uh midweek supper um the meat it works really well with spices like cumin and sort of zesty zingy coriander as well uh, get a mint yogurt in there, you can use that with both types of cuisine. Again, the sort of the herbiness and the sort of acidity uh, to the yogurt, the, the sort of lacticness, um, just sort of tames the meat and the spice again. It just works really, really well. Um, fish is quite a tough one. Um, I've went for a seared tuna steak, uh, which is... All right, I can see why, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's underrated uh, food in my opinion. But it's expensive, um, but it's good. Back to the barbecue, you could go for a barbecued monkfish. And the reason I've chose these two fishes uh, is because it's got quite a meaty texture that can sort of match the wine. Um, Vegetarian-wise, I mentioned those uh, those greens earlier. Asparagus, uh, very excited, is coming to season early this year, so we're starting to see it now uh, in the shops, and it's perfect uh, with Carmenere. I've just kept it simple with a, a good old hollandaise and a, a nice poached egg, works a treat or ribolita, uh, very healthy uh, soup. Think those those greens again, those cavalineros in here. White beans, cannellini in this instance, work great with the wine, the acidity, 
the sort of fruit forwardness just sort of uh, mingle very well again. And lastly, to the cheese course, I'm going to go for a goat's cheese here. Uh, and it's one I've used before. It's a cheese I absolutely love. It's called Bonnet, uh, which again is coming to season. It's a firm floral goat's cheese um, made over in Stewarton in Ayrshire. And just takes on those red fruit fruits really well. And that spicy green pepper. Uh, it's just a real match made in heaven. I love that combination. Uh, so that is my food uh, for tonight. Thank you, Phil. Always a pleasure to hear you talking about food. And uh, I, I'll, it's, it's evening right now in here. So tonight yeah. I know what I'm going to dream. I'm going to dream racks of lambs jumping the fence. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Talking a bit about uh, our usual fun factor, let's call it the uh, interesting factor, weird factor, or fuck, with no comments. Um, so you, you sort of mentioned something about it earlier on when we were talking about the years of production. Yeah. But um, have you ever heard of something called Cabernet Gernicht or Gernicht? Never learned how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, it, it came up in research a little bit for this podcast, but I hadn't heard it before that. So, okay, let, let, let's take a little uh, little step back and uh, I'll tell you this, this kind of story, then you tell me if it makes sense. Okay. Uh, so, uh, of course, at the beginning of the, of the 20th century, you know, when uh, where the, the, we, we see the Chinese market uh, opening a bit more to the, to the world, no? And, yeah. um, and as they were opening their, uh, their borders uh, to explore uh, and to be explored by the world, Chinese uh, um, drinkers found a passion for uh, uh, European wines, uh, mostly French wines, uh, uh, Bordeaux mostly, uh, a bit because of you know the status and the prices of Bordeaux, a bit because also the tradition, the long, uh, the long tradition of, of Bordeaux winemaking. Uh, Bordeaux became so popular that uh, um, in the in the basically in the mid 90s, let's say, uh, sorry, in the mid 80s, pardon, uh, the area of uh, uh, Changyu in China again terrible Chinese pronunciation. I apologize. <laughs> uh, basically, they decided in there to plant a uh, um, few Bordeaux grape varieties: no Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. Uh, they, then the, the ingenious Chinese winemakers, uh, uh, really you know, crafty people, the Chinese, uh, claim that they have created a new sort of clone, uh, which was a crossbreed between Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc, called okay. Cabernet Gernicht, or Gernicht, or I will never learn how to pronounce it, but you got the point. <laughs> and and for many many years still nowadays actually in that valley they produce and they label wines uh, under this particular um, grape uh, uh, variety so what does Carmener has to do with all this well i'll get to it in a second okay. uh, you you probably heard of uh, uh, you know the wine expert wine writer wine goat Genesis uh, robinson no very famous wine writer. Yeah, one of the top uh, the top wine people in the world. Yeah. Uh, she wrote a, a, a book with uh, um, Jose Vulamos. Uh, I think that's the surname pronunciation. Again, I apologize if it's wrong. Uh, a book called Wine Grapes, which is uh, literally the, the most complete uh, and the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
rich of information book about wine that you can find on the planet. It's like, uh, you know, Wikipedia of wine, uh, if not more. A Bible, yeah. And uh, uh, due to the, you know, the, the studies and the researches that they were doing uh, to write this book, uh, this gentleman, uh, Jose Guilemos, uh, uh, managed to get some samples of the actually so-called uh, Cabernet journeys from China. Okay. And after many studies, uh, researches and DNA profilings, he found out uh, that uh, this grape is actually Cabernet, 100%. Right. So uh, for, uh, for uh, you know, the Chinese market is still called Cabernet Jernish, but we know uh, nowadays, uh, since the 90s, that this is actually Cabernet. And, uh, and this opens a kind of point of, uh, um, you know, of consideration, in my opinion, because taking the, the, the size of China yeah. and, and, and also no, their growing economy, yeah, uh, it, it's very difficult to not think that if not now, maybe in a few years' time, uh, the biggest and the widest plantations of yeah. Carvener are going to be Chinese. Yeah, yeah, of course, uh, I mean, land mass and things, yeah, definitely. And uh, the way climate change is going as well, you never know what can change. Exactly, and it, it's uh, it's I never seen any uh, Chinese Carmenere uh, on the, the UK shelves, but I'm really, really curious now to, to try one. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, I think it would be something quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, said so, we reached the last bit of our uh, podcast, which is uh, our wine recommendations. Uh, what have you got for us this week, Phil? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, no surprise, I'm starting in Chile uh, for my sort of special bottle. Uh, it's a Clos Alpalta from Alpalta Valley 2018 vintage, uh, which goes for around 90, 93 pounds uh, from Berry Brothers. Um, it's quite classic. It's got those very aromatic qualities, lots of dried flowers, tobacco onto those fresh red fruits and a little bit of clove and the green pepper, uh, the classic um, element of the wine in there. In the mouth, it's got tons of, of really delicious uh, blackberries, a nice touch of minerality, which I quite like. And it's got a, a really silky and long finish. Um, and it was scored 98 out of 100 by uh, James Suckling. So it says it all, but 93 pounds. Uh, could age well. And uh, yeah, that's why I chose it. What have you gone Fantastic. for? Uh, well, it's a sort of a special premium, fine example of Carmenere. I stayed in, uh, in Chile. Uh, Pumo Valley, or Peumo Valley, uh, which is the valley that we mentioned earlier on in the history, so a really historical place for for Carmenere. Yeah. Uh, the wine is called Santa Carolina Erencia Carmenere. Uh, I found it on Tannico UK, but I think it's available uh, all over the world uh, under different uh, wine suppliers. Okay. It sells in the UK for around £95. It does uh, uh, six months of oak aging and then a full year of uh, of bottle aging as well. It's um, it's very intense red fruits flavored. Got the characteristic herbal tones that you mentioned earlier. It's quite tannic uh, and it got a fantastic potential for aging. Even though I have to say, this kind of wine, uh, in my opinion, uh, the youngest the better, because uh, you know it, it really is, is. In my opinion, Carmenere is all about the freshness of the fruits and the crunchiness yeah. of the tannins. You know. Sure. Then uh, for uh, for a medium special wine, um, so for something not too dear but still of a very high quality, 
I went to Veneto in Italy, northeast of Italy, in the Colliberici uh, Valley, so near the Soave Valley, let's say, okay. uh, from a, uh, to a small winery called Inama, uh, Oratorio di San Lorenzo. Uh, it's called wine. Uh, it's one of the few uh, Carmener from Italy that I ever tried. Uh, it sells for uh, um, 55 pounds in the UK. Again, available in several different markets. This one here, I think uh, it's uh, in. Um, I, I, I don't want to be wrong, but I think it's Adonist in London that stocks it as well. Right. Uh, this is a bit different than the Chilean one because it's, uh, it's very savory. Uh, it's m- more than being fruity, it's more on notes of mocha, caramel, yeah. uh, coffee, m- m- cassis, uh, very savory, very meaty, so a bit different. Um, uh, this one, for example, I would keep it a bit longer uh, right. to age, just to, to exalt those kind of meaty flavors. Uh, what have you got? Okay, I've got quite a good wine. Um, yeah, cassis is a good, uh, good flavour. I should have stole that from your notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I've went. Uh, I've actually chosen two wines from the same uh, winery. I'll explain why uh, uh, just after this one. But my uh, mid-price one. I tried to look for a good value here. This wine comes at twenty-eight pounds. It's the um, Carmenere CA1 by Terra Noble. Uh, it's available from VintageSellers.com. Um, it's under 30 quid, as I say. It's grown in the foothills of the Andes and it's called Chago Valley. Uh, but it's actually a project uh, using fruit harvested in two different vineyards to get the, both the Andes and the Pacific influences into the wine. And it results in a really super concentrated, fruity wine um, that is, again, quite a classic style, but it's got a little bit of those sort of almost salty. Uh, marine influence, isn't it? Which I like it. Uh, and it's delicious. It's got nice round tannins. And for the price, if you're looking to pay a little bit more, uh, under 30 quid, it's a good price. And yeah, that is my mid-price for this week. Mid-price. For my um, everyday, uh, let's say, good value for money wine, I've, uh, I've turned into uh, an now people are gonna hate me for this, me. I know that there's uh, something bad about to happen, but I wanna say it anyway. <laughs> uh, I turned, I turned into a hippie, a uh, 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 green party supporter, and a total, uh, total uh, uh, hipster as well. Because I picked uh, a wine that is fully biodynamic uh, and organic, vegan friendly, with no added sulfites, uh, so okay. the most natural uh, thing you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, you, a side of my brain says you, but actually my my palate when I tried it was really impressed and he's a really, really good carbonier, right. very easy drinking and fruity. The winery is called Emiliana Natura and uh, uh, it's uh, a 10 pounds carbonier. Uh, we stock it in, in odd beans actually. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really impressing, uh, of course biodynamic and organic farming and vegan, there's nothing wrong to it. I was just joking. But sometimes uh, sometimes uh, it's true the fact that uh, uh, behind an organic uh, or a biodynamic or a natural wine in general, uh, the quality is not up there yet. In this yeah. case, I have to say it tastes like a proper conventional wine and yeah. it's natural, organic and environmentally friendly. So it's a yeah. win-win. 
Uh, definitely. Uh, that, that, that was actually one of the, it's a very important uh, winery, the Emiliano winery. Uh, yeah. That was, of course, Carmenere I tried. It was actually, I was down, down in Manchester at a restaurant and uh, yeah, I liked it ever since. But yeah, really, really fantastic value for money wines. Um, and you get a lot for your buck, as you say. Um, my one, uh, I would have chose, it's a really good choice uh, again. Uh, but for my sort of uh, everyday wine, I've went for, I think it's a bit of a bargain. I mentioned before of choosing uh, two wines from the same winery. I've stuck with Terra Noble and I went for their Reserve Carmenere. Um, it's available, Oddman's did stock it, I don't think they've got it in at the moment, but you can get it um, quite widely available online. Um, it's £11. If you were to do a blind tasting, um, you'd think this wine probably costs a lot more than it actually does. And I've just chosen the two contrasts and price points there between the two wineries, just to, if you were to buy them, taste the difference between what you get for your money. Um, but in terms of its wine, it's very generous with the fruit on the palate. Um, it's got a minerality to it. And like you said, the, didn't mention the notes, but it's got that sort of coffee mocha uh, taste to it as well, which gives it a bit of complexity. And one of those wines you sort of taste it and you think, what is that I'm tasting? coffee but can't really be coffee it's a wine but it is there well um, let's put a disclaimer here no you cannot have it for breakfast instead of a coffee <laughs> right that's not well, acceptable yeah right absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like i said um the quality of the wine is a it's also a sustainable uh winery too um which chile very much focuses on is organics biodynamics and sustainability as as everyone should um, but yeah, like I say, for the price, the reason I chose it, £11, just over a tenner. But for what you pay in the supermarket or some wine shops that wines under a ten, sort of around the £10 mark, this is a real knockout for the price. Absolutely, absolutely. I can confirm that. Great, Phil. We, we reach almost the, the very end. Um, I just wanted to remind uh, um, a couple of uh, uh, things that happen, that are happening in the, in the grapes uh, world. Um, we, we started a little uh, um, Etsy store with a uh, few merchandise items just purely for fun. There's a couple of t-shirts, hats, glasses, tote bags, you know. Uh, check it out. You'll find the link on our link tree on our uh, Instagram page. And uh, if you like to support us and uh, help us trying uh, uh, more wines to then recommend, uh, we will be really, really happy and, uh, and thankful for that. Yeah, uh, to, to go to Chile on a information finding to research uh, Chilean, uh, sorry, Chinese Carmenere. Uh, exactly. We need to we need to go to China and uh, we need funds <laughs> for for a trip. Now, jokes apart, uh, if you like what we do and you like to support us, that's. Uh, that's uh, the best way. Otherwise, keep on listening to us and we are more than happy without any sort of purchase from the Etsy store. Um, said so, Phil, uh, I think uh, we can uh, um, start to plan our episode for the for the next week. Uh, yes. We will discuss then still what to, what to do. We got a few ideas and brace yourself because uh, uh, not next week, but the one after we got a very special guest. We're not going to mention anything. We're going to keep it as a surprise but uh, another special grapes episode like the Ichaka one, let's see. Look forward to it. Thank you very much, Phil. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, have a good evening and thank you everybody for listening. Cheers, bye-bye.